This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Today on episode number 675, I'm going to share right up front, this particular episode has chapter markers. The first segment is a little bit for the newbie, for somebody who's thinking about getting into podcasting, but I am going to share a story in that on how I almost died at the age of 17, and what the heck does that have to do with podcasting? And I'm going to share with you some insights over one trait that truly, truly engaged audiences have. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. This is where I help you massage your message. I help you tackle the technology. I help you face your fears. That's what we're talking about today. And I also help you tackle the technology and get going in the right direction with your podcast. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. I should announce that uh, I have a program, sometimes called the Podcast Quick Start. It's a three-month mentoring program where we basically, you and I work side by side, and I only open that up every now and then, and it's open. So if you've been like, oh, I like the School of Podcasting, I just need a little more one-on-one that is now open. And I am back from Utah. I went up to the Utah Podcast Summit. And here's one of those things where I didn't really know Brandon, one of the guys that was doing it, and never been to Utah and could have been a complete man, was this a great event? It was a I love now look, I love the big things like podcast movement and podfest, but you get me in a single track where everybody's in the same room, consuming the same, that's my favorite format. Again, nothing, I love the fact that everybody and their brother goes to Podcast Movement and PodFest and DC PodFest and things like that, but I love single track. And this was a single track at the Salt Lake City Community College, which was a great room. And Brendan and uh, Chrisilla and Bobby were the organizers, and I felt like, I don't know, I was the Pope. Maybe not the right thing for, I don't know. They, they treated me like a king. How's that? And I had a great time. But today what we're going to talk about, because the other thing I did in Utah was I went hiking. And to get the full effect of the story, we have to go way back, way back. And I'm going to tell you, gather around, children. I will now tell you a story from back in the day. And I believe I was 16 or 17, probably 17, and I fell through a ceiling. Yep. Well, kind of. Let me, let me, and I, I swear I'm going to tie this into podcasting. Just, just hang with me. You got it? All right. Now, luckily, on my way of falling through the ceiling, I got stuck halfway. And here's the deal. I, we climbed up, picture this back, this back room, and there's a big old tall walk-in freezer and you stand on it and you look over about 10 feet And there's the edge of what would be, I guess, the air duct. And there's this little slit in it where you have the furnace filters. You know, those big square things that, yeah. Well, there's like seven or eight of them in this little, this little, not very little, this this air duct thing. 
And I'm not making this up. There are two two by fours that part of them are on the freezer and then they've been kind of balanced on literally like a two or three inch lip on the end of this like little air duct, the, the furnace, basically. We'll just call it the furnace, even if it's not the furnace because I can't come up with a better word. And it's my job to walk across these two, like literally walk the plank, uh, go over, grab this big stick with a coat hanger on it, yank the furnace filter out. This was way before OSHA, by the way. <laughs> and and just, you know, pull the furnace filter out, put a new, and then put a new one in. So I don't know, there was probably five or six and I go over and and my uh, there was a trainer there with me. Oh, did I mention, by the way, this is during my 30-day trial period of getting this job at a grocery store. And this is my second time working at a grocery store. The first time I worked at a grocery store, I got fired because I was too shy. That's a whole other story. I get a new job at a grocery store, and hey, I'm not going to be shy anymore. And they got me on top of a walk-in freezer. And I'm literally like, I could reach up and probably touch the, the the actual ceiling of this giant warehouse. And so my uh, my trainer, Russ, walks across the planks, pulls out a, uh, a furnace filter, and you, you walk backwards. You do not turn around. You just walk straight back. Because, again, you've got these little pieces of wood. They're about as wide as your feet, one for each foot. Pulls it out, says, you got it? And I'm like, I guess so. And uh, he watches me do one. I get it. Walk across, walk back. And he says, all right, it looks like you got it. Whatever you do, don't fall through the ceiling. So I pull all the furnace filters out, put the new ones in, and I'm on the very last one. I push the furnace filter in, and instead of just walking backwards like I'd done about, I don't know, six or seven times now, I decided I want to turn around and walk forwards. And when I took my two feet off the two-by-fours, one on each one, and put both feet on one two-by-four, that two-by-four then kind of tilted and that was just enough to knock me off my balance. And I'm, I'm, my arms are wailing. I'm trying to grab anything in the ceiling that I could because I'm thinking, holy cow, I'm losing my balance and I'm going to fall, except there isn't a floor under me. There is a drop ceiling. This is one of those cases where your brain's going a mile a minute. I'll have another one of those here later in the episode. And honest, this is going to come back to podcasting. And it's come to my conclusion. Hey, guess what? You're going to fall through the ceiling. So I was like, okay, I believe if I spread my body out as wide as I can, this will somehow uh, kind of spread out the center of gravity. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking like I'm, I'm trying to remember any kind of physics or mathematics. And so when I hit the ceiling, my feet went through, but my upper half of my body was still laying now on the ceiling. And I'm like, hey, wow, cool. I didn't fall through the ceiling, but I kind of did. And I probably should get off the ceiling because, oh, yeah, now it's starting to buckle. And I'm like, I'm not sure how I look over and I'm a good three, four feet from the actual freezer. And I just said, okay, this is it. Do or die. You're going to pick up your whole body and wing it onto the freezer. Now, without getting too weird on you here, I kind of believe I got a little help from my invisible sky buddy because I don't know how I did it, but I picked up my entire body, including my legs, which are sticking through the ceiling tiles and landed on the freezer. And I'm like, holy cow. That was close, and I grabbed the 
insulation that I just mangled and kind of lifted it up. And I looked through the now hole in the ceiling tiles to see that I would have landed on a big old, this, by the way, the meat department is underneath me and I would have landed on a table full of knives. So consequently, all that to say, I have a pretty nasty fear of heights after this. In fact, I remember I went to Cincinnati and in Cincinnati, there is a park there called Kings Island and they have a replica of the Eiffel Tower. And I climbed it up, not thinking anything of it. And have you ever seen like where they have a a pothole and they'll throw over kind of just like a a piece of sheet metal over it so you can walk over it and not fall in? Well, it turns out that is what they used for the floor of the Eiffel Tower. And when you get to the top, not only is the thing swaying in the wind, but the floor kind of buckles. And this was a case where I get off the elevator, I take about five steps and I freeze. (laughs) And my ex-wife is looking at me like, what's the deal? And I'm like, I can't, uh uh-uh, mm, no, sorry. And she's like, what? It's it's okay. And I'm like, mm-mm, sorry, mm-mm, because I can see I'm way up high, and I, I froze. Now, it took us about, and, and realize I'm, I, I don't know, 15 feet from the elevator, because I kind of just walked out, and I'm I'm looking at other people in front of me, and then I felt the floor, and then I looked up and saw how high it was and was like, mm. So again, all this to say, I have a serious, uh, at times, fear of heights. Oh, that's not one of our top answers. Now, to bring this back to podcasting. So I'm at Utah. I'm in Utah. I'm doing a, a presentation about building your podcast on your basement. Let's get that foundation right. And I asked a question. I said, hey, true or false, starting a podcast is hard. So what would you say to that? True or false, starting a podcast is hard. And a lot of people will go, oh, absolutely. I've been trying to do one for three years. And it's kind of a trick question because starting a podcast is really not hard. And you're like, oh, it's easy for you to say, Mr. 14 years of podcasting. But literally, I could pick up my phone right now, fire up Backpack Studio, talk into my phone and have it on Libsyn in minutes. So starting a podcast, or if we actually used the company that rhymes with canker that everybody loves, anchor.fm, don't use them, please. They're horrible. But I could fire up anchor and also be on the internet in minutes. So actually starting a podcast, not that hard, but starting a good podcast. Ah, now that's a different story. Think about this. Why is it hard to start a good podcast because it takes a little more effort and things of that nature. So, but there's other things here now that I've got good content. Now, you know, you kind of go from, oh my gosh, will anybody listen to me? And then you go to, oh my gosh, someone might actually listen to me. And that makes you wet your pants. So, Starting a good podcast can be hard because it's a little little work, but I really think the hard part of this has nothing to do with the tech or the talking or the content, although good content, if you think about it, I'm an old musician. Everybody's first album was awesome because you had 20 years to work on it. So your first podcast, although a lot of times stinks because you're doing all the things that you don't know how to do, and we'll talk about that as we go through, but really the hard part of starting a podcast is overcoming your fear. I think that's the hard part. So. And often we worry about things that we don't need to worry about. In fact, I talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but we'll hear things like everyone is going to hear me. Well, 
you know, all these people, everyone I know is going to hear me. Well, can we kind of talk a little reality here? When you first start off, uh, if you don't have some sort of current following, very few people will hear you. It might be 20 if you count your cousins. Or you'll say, I'm afraid of sounding stupid. And the truth is, this is not radio. And you can edit out every stupid thing. And if you don't believe me, listen to the end of my episodes. Most of them at the very end, I put bloopers. Or you'll say, I don't understand the tech. And yet, somehow you figured out the fax machine. You figured out emails and CDs and DVDs and Blu-rays and Netflix and whatever else you're doing. So I think you can get the tech. Let's go off the trail of podcasting for a second. Hiking, I was very lucky. If Talk about somebody who has passion. Eliquity does a show. She's a friend of mine. I've known her for years. And she said, look, if you are coming to Utah, you are going hiking with me. Take some vacation. I'm taking you hiking in Utah. She does a show called uh, Travel Gluten Free, and you can find it at travelglutenfreepodcast.com. And I learned a lot about uh, celiac disease and gluten stuff, and I got to learn a lot about Utah and things like that. And I've been trying to say yes to things that are kind of new this year, and so I agreed. And... There is actually more to the story, though, because I told you how I'm afraid of heights. I'm also actually, I I suffer from what's sun poisoning. What? And what this basically means is I'm allergic to the sun. And this is why, like, Casper the ghost will walk up to me and go, man, you are white. And I'm like, I know, Casper. But what it really means is if I go out in the sun for, let's say, 20 minutes uh, and I don't have sunscreen on, I will end up with little red dots. In fact, the first day when we went hiking, I forgot to put any kind of uh, sunscreen on my hands and I ended up with little red dots. Not the end of the world. It's just something that I was kind of like, this is a new kind of sun. And I could really, uh, not only am I afraid of heights, but I'm afraid of burning to a crisp. And I actually talk about this. There's an article in the podcast business journal. I kind of used some of this content for an article I did on that. I'll put a link to that out in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 675. So how did I avoid, how did I overcome my fear of burning to a crisp and dying in Utah? Well, again, I got a guide. I got a mentor. I got somebody who knew what they were talking about. This is a person that's been in every national park. Again, she does a travel show. Eliquity and I got on a Zoom call, and she basically watched me shop for a backpack with like this built-in water system called a camel pack or camel back or something. But it was basically like walking around with like a two-liter on your back with this cool kind of uh, tube that you can basically, you don't have to stop. You can just suck on this tube and get some water. She helped me get a hat for my head that I must say is quite attractive, uh, and uh, it shades both my my face and my neck. And I got these long sleeve shirts that had built-in UV protection. And so what she did, though, is I was going to get like the the big shot smarty pants camel pack thing. And she goes, actually, you could probably just get by with kind of this off brand because the, the big shot smarty pants kind of like buying Apple stuff, right? You're paying a lot for that logo. And uh, she goes, yeah, you don't really need that. This one would get you by. And 
save me actually a lot of money. And then she's like, oh, by the way, when you buy your hat, you want one with like a vent because otherwise your your hat just becomes this giant oven on the top of your head. And she helped me avoid mistakes. And so we go out and we're hiking away. And again, I'm going to bring this back to podcasting. I was having a great time. I mean, Illiquity is a great guide, and she is in her element. This is a person that loves the outdoors. She loves to travel. She must have said 15 times, I'm so happy I get to be the one to show you this. And it was just, she was just oozing passion and just loving it. And I was having a great time as well. It's absolutely beautiful. The night sky in Utah was amazing. And we're sitting there on, uh, you know, pull out chairs, looking at the stars. And we actually saw a couple shooting stars, which was awesome. Having some great conversation. It was a great time. So it's the last hike. And the first day I hiked 10 miles. It was awesome. Second day, another 10 miles. And at this point, we're about eight of those 10 in. And we're going to go to this thing called the Delicate Arch. And this is kind of like, if you go to Utah, if you if you Google Utah, you will see like 8 million pictures of like the Delicate Arch. It is kind of like the the logo of Utah is the Delicate Arch. And what do you call it? The tour, not the tour, the path is uh, pretty much straight up. And what's weird is you're walking up these rocks that are the size of a whale. So this is the cool thing because... I'm not really worried about falling off the edge because I'm in control because these paths are super duper wide. And so we start up the hill. And like I said, this particular path, this trail was pretty much straight up. And so about halfway, we started taking breaks so I could catch my breath. She was very nice. And she's like, look, you know, there's no shame here. This is a pretty killer uh, trail. If you want to stop, I will not, you know, shame you. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to, I came here. I'm doing it. And so... I did want to like kick every sign that I saw that said trail and it literally would be the word trail and an arrow that just pointed up like, yeah, just go up into the heavens here. And uh, so we're getting close to the top. And I noticed at this point that I've like turned into a sweaty mess and I could feel my heartbeat. If you ever do this, where like number one, my face I can tell is red and yet I'm not embarrassed, but you can like feel your heartbeat in your temples. It's just like you can just feel it. You're dripping sweat. And my body's just kind of saying, uh, Dave, what you doing? And I'm like, I'm apparently walking to heaven. It's crazy. and it's the, But it's beautiful. That's the other thing. And people that were coming down were saying, oh, yeah, it's just around the corner. It's just around the corner. They lied. <laughs> so this whole time, I'm walking up on rocks again that are the size of a whale. I'm nowhere near the edge, although there were a few that I'd kind of walk up to the edge. I'm like, and my body would go, Dave, what you doing? And I'm like, seeing if I can cheat death. And so I would kind of step back from the edge. And, and it, all in all, it was pretty cool. And then uh, finally, somebody goes, no, really, it's, it's just right around the edge. And so most of the, the paths that you're walking and most of the trails are wide enough for two people. Now, occasionally they would go down to one. But, you know, again, I'm nowhere near the edge. We turn the corner and the trail goes from, I don't know, five, six feet wide to about three. And so I'm used to looking to the left and seeing trail and my eye is still left when all of a sudden the trail just went away and I'm looking straight down a cliff. And this is one of those like, hey, guess what? If you mess up here, it's not like the other trails where you're going to hit a rock and maybe you'll be able to grab a tree or whatever and you might break a leg. Or This is like you're going to die. And so the first thing I had to do 
was get control of my mind. Because my inner voice in my head was going, hey, where did the path go? I'm going to die. And it was like, don't look at that. And it was like, too late. You already looked at that. So I had to control what I could control. So what did I do? Well, I had to control my eyes. So the first thing I had to do was quit looking left because there's nothing over there but instant death. Just add water, right? Instant, it was just like, holy cow. So what did I do? I, I took my eyes and I looked at the path directly in front of me and I looked at my feet. Then what else could I control? I control my feet. So I started taking bigger steps because the bigger steps I took meant that's I could get off the cliff sooner. What else could I control? I controlled my breathing. So I started taking deeper breaths to kind of give my brain a little oxygen because it was freaking out. It was in like full Scooby-Doo's zoinks kind of mode. And then I just, there's a uh, an acronym, HOPE, right? H-O-P-E, have only positive expectations. And so I was like, look, this is a national park. They wouldn't let me on this path if it wasn't safe um, look at, I'll just keep watching a liquidy's feet and where she's doing. And there's people behind me. They're fine. Cause you start thinking like the whole cliff, there's all these people on this cliff. The whole cliff is going to fall. Nope. Everything's cool. Just kind of control, kind of simmer yourself down. So the whole time it's just around the corner, it's just around the corner and I'm freaking out. And we finally turned the corner and there it was. the delicate arch and I watched the sunset on it and I actually made some really cool friends a lot of really cool people up there in general Utah people are friendly you may be worried about things that you don't have to worry about and so what did I do well number one I had a guide and she was like, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. She didn't forget. She's like, but I kind of forgot about your heights because I was just doing so good the whole time. And I'm like, no, no, we're good. And uh, and I would love to be your guide to help guide you through the parts of podcasting so I can make sure that you're not going to buy equipment that you don't need. So I can help you, like I say, massage your message, tackle the technology, face your fears and flatten your learning curve. Now, it might be a little scary, but here's the thing. When I got to the top and I actually saw the delicate arch, I'd seen it on postcards. I'd seen it on T-shirts. It was amazing. This thing is huge. It's ginormous because you're looking at it going, oh, it's not that big. And then you watch somebody stand underneath of it and you're like, that person looks like an ant. So it was worth the struggle. And when you go through starting a podcast and you're worried about, am I going to sound stupid? And I don't understand the tech and how am I going to do this? And, and just, I, you just keep following, you know, stare, stare at what you can, you know, stare at your audience the same way I stared at my feet, stare at them they will guide your path on what you need to cover. And yeah, it's going to be weird. It's going to be new. It's going to be a little scary. But when you see your show in Apple and in Spotify and in Google and in iHeart and in radio.com and in radio public and all the other places, that view is worth the struggle. And there's a guy named Albert Hubbard. Great quote. The greatest mistake you can make in life is to continually be afraid that you'll make one. So don't let worrying about making a mistake stop you from making your podcast. Get yourself a guide and get out there. 
because the view is amazing. And so as I was looking through this, I found this thing called the confidence competence loop. And on the way back, because the liquidity is like, hey, are you going to be cool on the way down? And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm good. And what was amazing is I knew now, don't look to the right, because I'm not going to say I could just stare over the edge now and I was going to be fine, but I definitely wasn't as freaked out because I knew what was coming and I just put my hand on the 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 side of the, the I guess the mountain. It's not really a mountain. I forget what they call it, but I had my hand on the, the part of the path that I could actually still feel the mountain and I knew I was fine as I went through. There was one person on the cliff that actually put like their leg partly over the cliff. And I'm like, you you do realize you are halfway to dead. And why were they were doing that? Because they wanted to take a picture. And I'm like, okay. And so I wasn't half as worried on the way back because I had this thing called experience now. And there's this thing called the confidence competence loop. And it's like a figure eight. And here's how it works. You have to embrace learning. And one of my mantras since my very first job, so let's say I was, I don't know, 24, was I worked for a company and they had in giant words, constant improvement. And that is one of my mantras. I'm always trying to learn new things. And I spent today at WordCamp Kent in Kent, Ohio, learning all sorts of WordPress stuff, always trying to learn. That's my background. My background's in training. And I feel that if you're not learning, you're actually going backwards. And so here's this confidence, competence loop. Learning leads to competence. So you're like, oh, I think I understand this. Your competence then leads to confidence because you actually do something with it. And when you go, hey, check this out, I did it. I never will forget Marcy Rosenbaum was a, a client of mine years ago. And she called me up and said, I can't do this because I'm, you know, I'm just a, a you know, I'm a, a woman. I've been in the corporate world. I don't really deal well with technology. And I said, I will got you. I'm going to get you through this. Just do what I say. I'll walk you through it. And she called me up crying. And I'm like, what's the matter? I thought something was really, really bad had happened. She goes, I'm in iTunes, which now she would cry and say, I'm in Apple Podcasts. But it was awesome. And so learning leads to competence. Competence leads to confidence. Confidence then, hey, look at me. I thought I could do something. Leads to what? I'm going to try to learn something else. Why? Because the first time you tried this, it actually worked. Learning leads to competence. Competent leads to confidence. You get the idea. Confident leads to learning. Learning leads to competence. Competent leads to confidence. Confidence leads to learning. And over and over and over. And some people say, well, yeah, but Dave, what about when you make a mistake? Here's the best thing. You know, people say learn from your mistakes. The best thing you can do is learn from someone else's mistakes. And I help a lot of people and some people listen to what I do. And, and look, I'm not perfect. Boof. Holy cow. And we try some things that based on the data that we have. And sometimes you think, oh, this is going to be a home run. And you know what? It's not. But that's okay because that's just part of the learning process. Doesn't mean you failed. It's like, oh, guess what? I guess we're still learning here and we're not competent yet. But if you embrace learning, you are going to be good to go. So I had a fun time in Utah podcasting is not hard. It is time consuming. I'm not going to lie to you. It's time consuming. And yeah, it can be a little scary when you first start because it's new. 
but don't worry about those things. If you're, if you're procrastinating, to me, I have discovered something about myself recently. When I am procrastinating, if I am, it's, it's Sunday and it's time for me to record the podcast. And for some reason, I'm just, I've decided I have an undeniable need to clean the bathroom right now. I'm like, okay, what's going on? And those are the times when I'm not super hmm, confident that this is going to be a really great episode. I'm kind of, and that's always funny because the ones that I go, "Mm, I'm not sure if this is going to really resonate are the ones where people go, that was great. And then the ones that I go, this is going to be awesome. And it's crickets. So when those times when I'm like, "Mm, I'm I'm like 80% sure this is going to resonate. Those are the ones that I start procrastinating. I think when we're afraid of failure, we procrastinate. And that's part of dealing with fear is being able to analyze it. So I understand why I'm afraid of heights, because I fell through a ceiling. (laughs) That might just have a little bit. And part of that is then understanding. And I'm actually much better than I used to be. I used to be, you'd get me on a ladder and I'd start to get a little, you know, uh, shaky. But that is not a, a case anymore, because I understand why. And that's doesn't mean that understanding is going to make things disappear. And all of a sudden, you're just brave. But it does give you an understanding. And allows you to then push through it. You just do it one step at a time. So podcasting is not hard. It might be a little scary, but with the right gear, the right path, and the right guide, we can make it to the top of the mountain. I want to share a couple other quick points from my presentation. And if you want to see the whole thing, Go over to patreon.com slash Dave Jackson. You can uh, get a bunch of bonus stuff, bonus Ask the Podcast Coach. If you didn't know that, I do have a Patreon because I like to play with everything, and I am rewriting the book More Podcast Money, and I needed some firsthand knowledge. But one of the things I pointed out is, and one of the things that stops people from starting a podcast is you want it to be perfect. Oh, I'll start as soon as I get this. I'll start as I get No, I've got to have that. And you just want it to be perfect. And I said in my presentation, if you aim at perfect and you miss, you land on really, really good. And I said, let's let's take something that's not perfect. And in America, we have a thing called the Liberty Bell. And I don't really know the if I've been to see the Liberty Bell. And I'm not really sure what it was made for in the like its original thing, but here's the thing. It's cracked. Like That thing hasn't been rung since D-Day, and that was a long time ago. And so here's something that draws people, one of the things that draws people to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in the U.S., and it's not even perfect. In fact, it doesn't work. It's a bell that does not ring. What do you call a bell that doesn't ring? And the answer is it's a symbol. And that got me thinking about symbols, because there are some symbols that really stir us up, like they just instantly, you might get mad, you might get happy, you might get courageous, things like that. So why do symbols, why do those things fire us up so much? And I thought about it, and it's because what they stand for. People will fight for what they believe in. And I thought about that, and I said, you know, when you look at different podcasts with really engaged audiences, a lot of those people 
are talking about what they believe. Now, can we stop for a quick second before we go there? Because I'm using the word believe or belief. See, if I say belief, it gets even worse. I'm not really talking invisible sky buddy stuff here. Not that there's definitely invisible, obviously, you know, Christian, uh, Judaism, atheism, whateverism. Those are all beliefs and they're religions. And I don't want to really talk about religions. What I want to talk about are, let's take Dave Ramsey. I've talked about him in the past. He's a very, very famous radio guy here. Plus, he gets millions of downloads on his podcast. And his whole thing is where cash is king and blah, blah, blah. And then if you look at something like vegans, vegans are very passionate and they have beliefs. It's a shared belief. And there's a great, I, I, I'm not making this up. I went into Apple Podcasts. I typed in vegan podcast, best named podcast ever. It's a vegan podcast. You'll get this in a minute. Remember, it's a vegan podcast, and the podcast is called Lisa Beat Your Meat. Vegan, get it? Okay. And when podcasting was brand new, one of the reasons we were so passionate about it, I remember I went to the very first ever like meetup for podcasters in Ontario, California, and we were all like, we were mad at radio. And we were like, we're going to stick it to the man. And we've got, we have a, a worldwide audience. And back then, I don't know that they had streaming audio like they do now. So we had a bigger audience and we didn't have to worry about the FCC. And we were going to, I mean, we had birds of waving at these people and we were going to take over the world. That was our belief. And it's those kind of beliefs. When you have an audience that can share a belief they really bond together. There's a show called the No Agenda Show at, oddly enough, noagendashow.com. Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak, they're actually now having meetup groups without the hosts. So let me back that up a second. A bunch of fans are getting together to celebrate the No Agenda Show without the actual host. Why? Because that group feels like, hey, we can actually talk here and not have to worry about, oh my gosh, did you say that? You're not making fun of somebody. And don't get me wrong. This is not a racist group. This is not, these are just people. This is like, let's back that up a second. The the Lisa Beecher meat (laughs) audience. What if they got together and talk about veganism? The, The No Agenda show is a political show. And that's where people go, oh, they're just a bunch of whatever. Politics drives people crazy, but that's a, how engaged is your audience when they will actually get together just to talk amongst themselves because they share a passion. So when I talk about sharing a belief, I'm actually talking about sharing an opinion. And this does not mean you have to just be shocking and crazy and say things that people will go, what? I'm not really talking about that, but I am saying that sometimes when you share an opinion not everybody's going to like it. And so I went to the members of the School of Podcasting. They got to kind of hear this presentation first. And I said, hey, if I said, what do I believe in? When you listen to my show, what what does Dave believe? And somebody said, well, Anchor stinks. You know, content is king. And a couple other things. And, and realize if I say something like Anchor stinks, then there are probably people from Anchor that aren't really happy that I say that. And that's where you have to realize that if you are just being yourself, that some people are going to like you and some people, meh, 
eh, maybe not so much. And you have to be okay with that. And that's one of those other things that maybe you have to, you're afraid of. And I'm here to tell you, the people that do not like me, I never hear from. You know why? Because they don't like me. They just leave me alone. And that's awesome. Now, are you ever going to get negative feedback? Maybe, but I've been in this thing 14 years and I can count the number of truly negative things. And it's things like horrible show for a horrible product. I remember that one. And that's the other thing that's hilarious about this. I can remember my negative reviews. I can't quote you a single positive one. That's just the way we're wired. So don't worry about that. They're not going to be these insane amounts of negative stuff. And the positive so far outweigh the negative. Let me give you a piece of positivity that I just received. Hi, Dave. This is Shane Whaley from Tourpreneur, Spybrary, and Radio GDR. That's right. Three podcasts. And that's what happens when you listen to Dave Jackson. He gives you the belief that you can have more than one podcast. Today, I wanted to leave you a message. This is well overdue, by the way. I wanted to share uh, my thanks to you for your School of Podcasting course. Now, I love your weekly show, School of Podcasting. Love Ask the Podcast Coach. Love what you and Jim Collison do, which is why I'm an awesome supporter. I do that for the value you give us every week. But I wanted to take a moment to thank you for the School of Podcasting course because the cool thing about what you've done there is I had to launch two podcasts. One was a hobby cast. Fine, if it goes wrong, fine. The other one, Tourpreneur, which is all about the tour business, I needed it. It's it's something I'm trying to make a business out of, and I needed it to be professional looking, sounding, and available where you can find all good podcasts. What I love about the School of Podcasting course, you have all the modules clearly labeled. I was able to get in what I needed and actually implement it. And in record time, got these shows out there because most of us know that if we don't have guidance from people like you, Dave, getting podcasts launched can be a bit of a nightmare, right? You end up kicking the cat, the dog, getting gray hair, losing hair, uh, smashing the guitar, maybe. I don't know, but it can be a really frustrating experience. So love that you have everything in one place, clearly labeled. And you have a gift, sir. And I think all your listeners will agree. You can take quite technical subjects and break them down for laymen like me to understand. Um, so I, I could wax lyrical about this for a long time, but I, I really wanted to, you know, give you my thanks publicly and also to assure anybody out there who is on the fence, either about starting a podcast and they're overwhelmed or they've been, you know, using all the free YouTube out of date clips and even more frustrated, just bite the bullet, just sign up to Dave's course because it's all there. He really does flatten the learning curve and you'll have your podcast up and running in no time. And also I have to say, cause I don't think you talk about this enough, Dave, you know, your office hours, you give coaching outside of the course. You've also been really cool to me available on email for a couple of snags I had mainly with my sound quality and using the mix pre six etc. So, you know, it's not just the course, it's the support that comes with it. Guys, Dave has not paid me for this testimonial. This comes from the heart, Dave. You've been a huge help to me in what I'm trying to achieve with my podcasting. Thank you. Thank you, Shane. I got to tell you, that is a great way to start your day. You open up your email and you have one of those. You're like, holy cow. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see. That is what's on the other side of your fear. 
Those are the things that you're afraid of. You're afraid. It's like, look, that's awesome. That puts so much gas in my tank. The last thing I want to share with you from my presentation, because a lot of it is things you've heard me say on this show before, and I don't want to waste your time with a bunch of reruns, but I want to talk about the word why. And this can be a really tough word. Why? Because I have two questions. Why is this interesting? In other words, why is your audience going, wow, that's cool. Or you've just, you've captured their attention. And another way to say that is why does my audience care about this stuff? And I was kind of worried about this episode. There's a lot of icing in this episode because I'm making a point through a story. And I thought about it. I thought with a good tease at the beginning of this about how I almost died maybe when I was 17 and how I thought I was going to die in Utah. And for the record, that cliff probably wasn't half as bad as I thought it was. I think it was just the fact that I looked over and all of a sudden it was just, wow, where'd the path go? Because I'm sure if you talk to Elikdawi, she goes, look, the path was like four feet wide. I don't know what he's talking about. If you can't answer the questions, why is this interesting to my audience? And why does my audience care about this subject? Maybe you better step back a second. And that's kind of, that might be scary. Could go, hmm, I, I don't really know. Well, that's what, again, where I say, know your audience. And sometimes we hear, can we call it jargon? Is jargon, is know your audience jargon? Maybe if you're brand new, you're like, what does that mean? Know your audience. Well, for me, this is how I know my audience. I find out what books they're reading and then I read them. If there are magazines about my industry, I will read them. I hang out in a lot of Facebook groups to see what people are talking about. I go to WordCamp today in Kent. I'm speaking there tomorrow uh, because there are potential podcasters. There There are people, there are content creators right there. And that's my whole point of going there is to say, look, you are this close to being a podcaster. I go to all sorts of events that are centered around people that want exposure because for every 19,000 blogs, there is one podcast. Want to guess which group it's easier to get found in? Exactly. The question of the month is coming right up around here as I look at my calendar. I need these by next Friday. That is June 21st. And I've had a lot of people ask me, they're like, hey, Dave, I'm coming up on kind of a landmark episode, whether it's 50 or 100 or 200 or whatever. What should I do? And there are things like clip shows and things of that nature. In fact, uh, my buddy Monica Rivera over at You Want to Do What is celebrating, I believe, 100 next week. And so what do you like to hear or do you have any ideas on what to do for a landmark show? I thought this would be a good one to throw out to you as well as anybody else that is listening. So we all might go, ooh, and here's what's great about ideas. A lot of times what you hear is not like, wow, that's amazing. It's You go, ooh, that's a good idea, but what if you did this? That's why I love sharing ideas. A lot of times it's not the original idea. It's the, ooh, but what if you tried this? That's where things like that get really, really interesting. If you're ready to start your podcast, schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, 
Shane mentioned Ask the Podcast Coach. I also do uh, a show called Your Podcast Consultant. If you like much shorter shows as we go on 45 minutes here, those are all under 10 minutes. And I also have the Podcast Rodeo Show. That is a show that's also typically under 10 minutes where I listen to a random podcast and give you my honest first impression. And then if you want a full review of your podcast, it's not just me. It's 30-year radio veteran. Eric K. Johnson, you might know him as the podcast talent coach. This is where we go over every single inch of your podcast many times. Actually, we usually listen to your episodes multiple times, and that's over at podcastreviewshow.com. If you're looking for some feedback and good constructive feedback on your show, check it out, podcastreviewshow.com. And if you're like, Dave, you just gave me 37 calls to action, I would say, yep, I would probably flag myself on the podcast review show. So I will give you one call to action and that is check out powerofpodcasting.com. That's where all my shows are. And then tell a friend until next week, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. So whatever your show is, why is this interesting and why I sound like I was drunk. Why is this interesting? I go to all sorts of events where people are trying to get more exposure because that's what he said, hitting the mic. Okay, great.